Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Y'all doing good today? I know it's a little bit hot in here. Two of our air units went out, and so uh, forgive us for that, and uh, we'll just suffer for the gospel a little bit this morning. If this is all the suffering we have to do today for the gospel, then that's not too bad, right? Uh, I, um, I was, I, when we were ending worship there, I just felt like the Lord, I saw Will West down here praying and I just wanted to take a second. Um, first let's give praise to Jesus for being, for being here with us. Come on. Can we give him just our best this morning? Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for choosing us and, and being with us. I'm thankful for God's presence. He said that he would live in us and walk amongst us, that we don't have to be orphans. And so, so glad that he's here. Uh, and Will, a, a cool story, uh, I, I didn't even say I was going to share this, but I know your heart, man, I know you don't care. Um, his father was healed, had a, his father had a giant-sized tumor in his, in his liver, and, uh, and so like a peach-sized tumor, and uh, they went to, the doctors, they went to look at it, and they, we prayed, and they prayed, and, and it was gone, just disappeared, it, was, it wasn't there. So... Um, so I saw him yeah, down there at the altar, and then I was reminded I was with a missionary from uh, Cameroon, Africa uh, last week. He was telling me stories, and I like to ask missionaries. I'm like, you know, what's the craziest thing you've seen God do? What's the craziest miracle you've seen God do? And uh, a lot of times we don't, we, we don't really expect or believe for miracles for some reason in America. We just, we, we like think that that's over, and oh, that's for overseas or something. But we, I want to, us as a church, I want to expect miracles, you know? Come on, I want to believe God for miracles, and uh believe that he actually still does those miracles. And, um, and so I, I was just praying this morning as we were worshiping and the, the missionary told me, he said, well, a couple months ago, or I, it was six months ago or so, a lady brought her baby that had horrible fever and was like dying of fever. And, uh, they put the baby in my arms and she brought the baby to me in the village and put the baby in my arms. And, and literally I just, I began to pray. I didn't know what to do. And the, and the, I felt the fever leave the baby. Like I literally felt the baby get like cool off. And then the mom looked at me with a smile and said, hand the baby back. Uh, I know the fever's gone. And he was like, well, how do you know? And she took the baby back and she just has this big smile on her face. And she said, well, I know the fever's gone because two weeks ago, my sister was here in the village and she was deathly sick and you prayed for her and she totally got healed. And, and this guy didn't even know that. He goes, so I knew that if I got my baby in your hands, I knew if you touched my baby, that the baby would be fine. And he was like, ma'am, it's not me. You know, it's, it's Jesus. And so uh, as I was worshiping, I just felt the Lord say that he just wanted to heal some things today and, uh, and just that he's still a healer. And I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you've been believing for. I don't know what miracle you need. And there's nothing weird about that. I'm just going to pray a prayer of faith, a prayer of healing. And maybe uh, you've got something in your body or in your mind or you're believing for somebody. Can we just uh, stand together as a community believing for miracles? I believe that God can still heal tumors. He can still heal diseases. He can still heal uh, bipolar. He can still heal uh, schizophrenia. He can still heal depression. He can still heal addiction. He can still heal uh, from the spirit of suicide. He can still deliver us from sin. Father, we just thank you today. If you have something, just put your hand on it. Let's just put, place our hand on some area of your body that needs healed. Come on, I'm believing God for healing in my own body. Father, I thank you for healing today. 
I thank you. You said that the healing is the children's bread. You said that healing is our bread, that we are your church, that we are your people. You said in Psalm 103 that you sent forth your word and healed all of our diseases, that you, that you set us free from all of our sins and iniquities, that you forgive all of our sin today, oh God. And so if we're here and we're believing like we're not good enough or we don't, we don't deserve it, God, I just rebuke that right now. I thank you for supernatural healing. Jesus, your body was broken to heal our bodies. I pray that you would heal and do miracles today in backs, in sciatic nerves, Lord. Uh, right now, maybe in heart valves, God. I pray for any tumors or cancers to die, God. I pray for our family members and loved ones. I pray for healing today, God, that you're still a God that heals, and healing is our bread. And Lord, so we eat and partake today of the goodness of who you are. We believe that you can do that, and you have done it in Jesus' matchless name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. I believe that. I believe something's changing right now. And uh, listen, if, you, if something happens to you in this service or you just feel something or you got healed, come on, let, let us know today. I want to know. I want to celebrate that with you and your family. God is still a God that's healing. I'm going to jump into the gospel and I'm going to get into the gospel through Galatians. And um, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm looking and we're talking about the gospel of grace and focusing in on Jesus. If you're more obsessed with your behavior than you are Jesus' behavior, you have the wrong gospel. If you, if you scrutinize, if, you exam, if you're more into examining yourself than you are Jesus, you have the wrong gospel. And so Paul in Galatians is defending the gospel of grace, the gospel of freedom, the gospel that we've been set free from law. He's defending the gospel grace, the simple grace, the good news grace. And, and we talked about it last week, just the simplicity of Jesus the simplicity of the good news, the simplicity that Jesus died, he did all the work, it's literally finished and we can't earn anything else with God. And, and legalism oftentimes tries to earn its way based on resume. Paul has preached the gospel to the Galatians. They've received the gospel. They're saved. They're running by grace. They get persecuted. And two years later, these men called Judaizers, they were Christians, but, but had a lot of still legalism they lived by. They came in and they began to pervert the gospel. And they did it like this. The gospel is good. Grace is good. That's great. But you need a little bit added to it. You need some other rules and regulations added to it. And so Paul de uh, vehemently defends this, um, this teaching and, and literally gets angry and goes after these guys because he knows the glory of God's at stake and the all-sufficiency of Jesus is at stake. And so today I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you, and uh, I'm going to try to preach to you fast because I know it's hot in here, um, but I hope y'all are with me today. And, and, I'm, and just, I want you to put your learning hat on, like put kind of... Uh, I'm not going to go into full out Bible college, but I want you to, I'm, I'm going to use some terms and I'm going to teach you some things today that are really important for you to know who you are and to understand how to be happy in the gospel, how to, how to walk out your Christian faith. So in Galatians, we're going to start in, in verse 11. Last week we went through uh, verse one through 10. And uh, really the point of last week is that the good news is the good news. Let's don't let it go bad. Let's don't complicate it. Let's, let's get obsessed with Jesus. And then my, now Paul's got a little bit of an attitude. You have to keep in mind, Paul's writing to people that, are, that, that are, uh, have false teachers trying to discredit him. So Paul is writing to a church like ours where, say, teachers would come in and start to try to discredit me in a way or discredit the message or discredit a Paul. Paul's writing a letter uh, to people that are, are starting to believe some lies about him. And so he's a little defensive. 
He's a little bit, he goes courtroom kind of, he begins to kind of lay out like a, like a lawyer, an argument for who he is and the gospel that he has. His, it's not about him. It's not about his reputation. Hear me. It's not about who he is. He's not being uh, feminine or, or, or defensive because he's worried about his reputation. He's worried about the gospel's reputation. And, 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 and the enemy is trying to discredit Paul so they can discredit his message. Come on, you're wondering why people try to discredit you. It's because they, because the enemy wants to discredit the message you carry. And so the enemy will always try to discredit in order to get to the simplicity of the gospel. And so this is what Paul says in verse 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Uh, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond any of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, key verse, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, it's an interesting little uh, terminology there, and I'll get into that later. Uh, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles that did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I didn't have a conference with flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and then I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, brother, before God, I do not lie. Afterwards, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but, uh, they, but they were hearing only who formerly, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which, once, which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. Chapter two, I'm gonna read all of chapter two to you. Y'all with me today? If the sermon's not good, I read the Bible. Chapter two, verse one, then now he goes into defending the gospel. Then after 14 years, he's talking about how he got the gospel and he, how he met the apostles and, and, and who he was. Cause you know, he wasn't a, a disciple with Jesus. So he's defending his, how he got all this. He says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, talking about the apostles, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us again into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour. We didn't give in to the legalist even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from this, you seem to be something. But, but from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it make no, makes no difference to me. He's talking about the apostles. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised or for the Gentiles had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was given to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me to, uh, to the in me um, for, towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they saw grace on Paul. They gave Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship. They were, they were a right-handed people. And, 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 and they said that you should go to the Gentiles 
and we'll go to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which was in our heart to do. And then here's the culmination of the whole chapter. All of chapter two, Paul sums it up that we don't live in law. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. So, so Paul has a big confrontation with Peter because Peter's being the hypocrite. He said, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. He did it publicly because Peter preached a public message at this table when he did this. For before men, certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, Peter would withdraw himself and separate himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him so that even Barnabas was carried away with hypocrisy. So Paul's ticked off. He's like, Peter, I smell ham on your breath. He's like, once a ham eater, always a ham eater. Peter, you can't hide from it. We know you like pork chops, Peter. Come on, somebody. You, you, listen, you just, you're eating with the Gentiles. You're eating pork chops. And then when the Jews come in, you're afraid of them. You're worried about what everybody thinks about you. You're self-conscious and you can't live up to the simple gospel. So you want to pull away and play the hypocrite. You've preached a louder sermon by your actions than you did with your words, Peter. And you've actually just undermined the gospel. So Paul confronts him right there. Paul, this is an apostle. This is Peter. But when I saw, so, so verse 14, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh is justified. This is the first time Paul uses the terminology justified. Verse 17, but if we, we, but if we still seek to be justified, sorry, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. Here, here's what was happening. The legalists were saying, oh, if you preach a simple message of the gospel and that you're free through grace, but you still sin because you're human, which we all are, that must mean that Christ's grace message is, 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 is promoting sin. So, so they're saying that Christ must be a minister of sin. So, so since you say grace is all that you need, but you still mess up, so oh, the message that Jesus is that, oh, that you can sin, it's okay. Paul says, certainly not. He's like, no, that, that's not the point of any of what grace is. Knowing a man is not just, verse 16 again, knowing a man is not justified, um, he's not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we've believed in Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by works of the law, no flesh is justified. But if we still seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are, are, are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. And I've been crucified with Christ. Y'all know this, this verse. This is probably the verse you have memorized in chapter two. For I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay? It is no longer I that live. I've been crucified with Christ. Now, now imagine Paul's scribe. Is it, is it, I'm going to teach y'all a lot today, so, so just track with me today, okay? Man, it's not a great day for the air conditioning to go out. Y'all are like, man, can, just, can you just tell a story? I'm going to teach y'all today, okay? And, and, and I, 
He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Imagine Paul's scribe sitting there. Hey, write this down. I've been crucified with Christ. What? Paul, what? I can't write that. You weren't crucified with Christ. You're right there. No, 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 no. Write it down. Write it down. I've been crucified with Christ. I can't write that, Paul. No, 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 no. Write it. It's the scripture. It's the God. Write it. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And this life that I live, I live by faith. This life I live in the flesh, because I'm still in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. But I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. Can, can I just say we have a lot of gospels according to man out there? We have a lot of people trying to appease the pain that the world faces. There's one gospel. There's one payment. There's one price. It's been paid for all time, for all humanity. But I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Galatians chapter one and two. Let me pray for us real quick. Father, help me in the next couple minutes, 28 minutes and 27 seconds to be exact. Help me today to preach your word. Help me to bring clarity. Help me to say what you'd have me say in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So Paul is defending his apostleship. Um, what people were saying was that Paul got the message of the gospel secondhand. They're saying, Paul, you weren't an apostle. You weren't with Jesus. You didn't see Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You, you weren't one of the apostles. And so your message has been handed down secondhand. You had to talk to the apostles and you had to get the, you had to get the message of the gospel secondhand. So we discredit you. This isn't the full gospel. Grace isn't the full gospel. You still need to work your way into it. You still need to follow some rules. You need to follow the, the law and the regulations. And so Paul gets defensive and he says, listen, I didn't even go to Jerusalem. I didn't even confer with them. When I was saved, I got road to Damascus. I went blind. I didn't even go up there. And when I did go up there, I went up for a few days. I only saw two apostles. His point is I didn't receive this message secondhand. And, and here's what you need to know. The message that we carry, the message of the gospel is not precepts and concepts that are handed down from your grandma and your granddad and your church attendance and some historical lesson. The concepts of grace are not secondhand. The grace, hear me, grace is a person, not a principle. That, that, that if, if what we carry is the gospel, if what we have, Paul's saying, if this wasn't given from heaven, if this wasn't by revelation, if this Jesus didn't come down from heaven, if this is just secondhand information that our mamas and our daddies and youth ministry and church ministry and Bible college, if this is secondhand, there's no power in that. This is Jesus. This is the person of Christ. And you and I have to experience him, not learn about him. You can't, you got, Jesus was never meant to be learned about. He was never, the Bible says, oh, study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. Study to show yourself that you, that you know what you're talking about. Not to show yourself approved to God. Study, that you would study to let yourself know, okay, I, I'm studying the word. I'm going to learn. But you can't just study the word. You have to experience the word. 
Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I was in church for years and with my, my mom preaching the gospel and learning and trying to experience it and trying to learn about God. That didn't matter. Not until I experienced the grace of Jesus. Not until I was at the lowest point of my life and didn't want to live. And he came into my life and said, I died, son, so you could live. Like he began to let me experience him. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus will personally make himself known to you and to families and to people and to nations and to generations. And it's not secondhand. That he cares about us and he cares about this world and he knows you and he knows me. And I'm not just going to learn about him, that this gospel came from heaven. Paul says, listen, for three years, I didn't go to Jerusalem. I went two weeks. I saw two apostles. And so he begins to say, look, everyone's saying I got this secondhand. This isn't tradition. This isn't some other teaching. This is Jesus himself. You've heard my former conduct, verse 13. He says, I was persecuting everybody. I was killing Christians. Come on, I got the award for killing all the Christians. Verse 15, very important. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. It's a weird verse. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me according to grace. This is important for you. Paul goes on in Galatians, and I'm gonna talk about it in the next few weeks, and he makes this weird analogy between Hagar and Sarah, between the children of promise, Sarah, and the children of Hagar, bondage and law. Come on, if y'all know your Bible, you hit Abraham, made a mistake. Sarah said, sleep with my, sleep with my, my other, you sleep with the servant. Abraham's like, That's a, okay. <laughs> Dumb idea, man. Abraham goes and sleeps with Hagar and they have a, ch- a, a child, and, and, and it's not a son of the promise. Paul, this is blasphemy in the Jewish religion. Paul calls Israel, Paul calls, later in Galatians, he's starting to refer to it here. Paul calls all of Israel, all of God's children, he calls them sons of Hagar. I mean, he slaps them in the face. Like, that's like the worst insult that you could ever tell to a group of Jewish people. Like, you are not even sons of, of Sarah. You're not sons of promise. He calls everybody who is sons of Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments. Y'all always, y'all always hear me say it. Everybody wants to put the Ten Commandments up. The Ten Commandments kill you. You can't. It ain't good. I need grace. The ten, listen to me. Look, I'm, I'm almost stepping on some of y'all's toes. Like, man, he said... Can I tell you, you, the Ten Commandments bring death. We need to know. No, you need to know Jesus. And, and so here's my point. Paul says, when I was separated from my mother's womb, what mother? Hagar. When God separated me from law living, when God separated me from trying to measure up according to my resume, When God separated me from thinking that I could do anything to please God in my own strength. When God separated me from living legalistically. When God separated me from thinking I could keep all the Ten Commandments. When God separated me and called me according to his grace. That literally he said, I didn't confer with flesh and blood when God called me according to grace. Can I say that some of you keep canceling the call of God in your life because you keep having a conference with your flesh? That you, when God's calling you by grace and saying something over your life and committing some big, something big and great to your life and saying, this is who you are and I've chosen you and I love you and, and you're called by God and he's separating you out of legalistic living and saying, you know, you couldn't please me anyway, but Jesus did and, and now he's calling you according to grace and you keep consulting your resume and your sins of yesterday and why you don't measure up and why your bank account isn't big enough and you keep having a conference call with your flesh. Paul says, I didn't consult my own ability 
And I didn't consult the apostles immediately. And I didn't go to get the calling of grace on my life confirmed by any person. I just want to encourage you. You are called by God. I know you don't feel like it sometimes. I know you feel like, man, I don't, I'm not worthy to God and I can't do anything for God. That's because you keep consulting your past or you keep consulting your, the, the, the sins that we all carry. You keep looking back at things and Paul's saying, don't consult with that. Don't confer that. You've been called by grace. It pleased God to choose you. God loves to choose messed up, jacked up people. Oh, thank God. This, this might be all I get to today because I'm hot. <laughs> God, God he, he picks the least likely. He doesn't choose like you and I choose. When God looks at me and looks at you, it's by grace. He, separate, he, does, he says, Jesus fulfilled all that, and I'm going to choose you. He looked down at Saul, who was killing all of his kids. He says, there's my boy Saul. Go get him, son. I think I'll use him. I like that, that, that guy. You know the picture in the, in, the, in the yearbook, like most likely to succeed? That's not any of us. When it comes to Jesus, least likely to succeed, least likely to be anything, least likely to own a business, least likely to have a successful marriage, least likely to get it together and be a good parent, least likely. That's the gospel. God chooses the least likely to put his grace on and to use for the kingdom of God. I love that God loves to use messed up people. We all got issues. And, and if you think you don't have any, that's your issue. And here's, and here, here's what legalism does and law living does. It removes a heart of flesh and puts in a heart of stone. Puts, puts in a heart of Ten Commandments. You're like, man, that's, you're stepping on the Ten Commandments today. My wife's freaking out right now. She's like, I like the Ten Commandments, baby. But y'all got to hear my heart in this. It's, it's because Jesus is the ten, Jesus is all the commandments. Jesus is everything. Not that we ignore it. It's Jesus. And, and when it, we go to stone and tablet living, it's a, stone, it's a heart of stone. God wants to put in a heart of flesh where we're obsessed with Jesus and who he is. He picks the least likely. Here, here, here's a list of people he picks. Think about it. Abraham slept with Hagar. Come on, that was a mess. He caused the problems in the nations and where we get some terrorism and all the problems and, and different, different Middle Eastern problems. Come on, he picked Abraham, Jonah. He went the other direction and ran. He came back to God. Noah was drunk for a little while. Abraham was too old. Sarah was as good as dead. Uh, like I said, Abraham slept with Hagar. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob lied a lot. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson really liked prostitutes. David was an adulterer, covered it up with murder. Elijah was suicidal and bipolar. Isaiah, that dude preached naked for three years. These are people God picks. Jeremiah, very emotional, skinny jeans, a scarf, loved Harry Styles. My daughter loves Harry Styles. John the Baptist ate bugs and dressed weird. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious and a killer. Thomas was too negative. Timothy was too young. Peter was worried what everyone thought. Jesus called him Satan. James and John wanted to blow up people with lightning from heaven. And Lazarus was dead. God can use you. God chooses you. Man. I just want to encourage you today. Like, I got... God uses people that we wouldn't expect. And I, I, listen, don't give up on the souls in your life. 
Don't give up on the people that maybe have been persecuting you or maybe don't give up on yourself if you've persecuted others or you've been the Saul. Or, God's arm is not too short to save or to reach or to change, to, to, to reach into a heart and change people. Let's believe God that he can reach us. And sometimes we think God doesn't even care about us. Can I say that God knew every bad decision you were ever gonna make? He knew you before you left your mama's womb and he, and he knew and still said, I choose you. Don't let the enemy discredit you because of the things that you think you, you in your flesh or the, the things that you think you don't measure up by. Paul goes on and defends the gospel. He talks about all through chapters one, verse one through 10 in chapter two. He gives the timeline of where he's been. He talks about needing grace. I'm just gonna give you kind of some thematic thoughts that he gives. He says, I, I went up and I, I had to go to Jerusalem after 17 years. Get this, after 17 years of ministry, Paul says by revelation, he had to go to Jerusalem. And he tells us why. He says, I had to go and meet those men. I was doing my thing. They were doing theirs. They'd have been fine. Paul was fruitful. He didn't need any confirmation. But the Bible says I, that Paul by revelation went up so that he would not have run in vain. There was something in Paul that knew he needed those men, that they needed each other. And he went and he began to say who he was and what he was doing. They saw the grace on him. I mean, Peter and, 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 and Paul were kind of at odds a little bit. They were two days apart and they never hung out. Like they didn't like each other a whole lot. I mean, Paul had been killing family members and Peter's looking at him. They're sizing each other up. Paul shows up and Peter's like, why didn't you call? Paul's like, why didn't you call? And they're like, hey, okay. And then they say, we see grace on you. And they see the grace on Paul. And Paul understands that in order to have great community, we need great grace. And so I just want to say this, this community of people and to build community, we need great grace for each other. We need each other and the people that you run with. Uh, your destiny has a lot to do with the people that are sitting next to you and the people that you're running this race with. And we need to know, know that if we just do this by ourselves, come on, we're going to be, a, it says that they gave him the right hand of fellowship. It's so important. We're going to be a right-handed church. Like we have fellowship with other churches. We have friends and pastors in the city and we meet other people. We're not just this closed little small thing. We can believe this way and this is how you have to believe just like us. No, 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 no. We have a right-handed fellowship church where if you have the simple gospel and you believe the same gospel we believe, we're in partnership. And I don't want to run without you and I don't want you to run without me and I don't want to run without my friends out there and we need people. And listen, Paul was different. Peter and them were different but they saw the grace on him. There's gonna be differences. There's gonna be different messages and different methods and different ways, but the reality is if Jesus is the center of all of it, we can have the right hand of fellowship. Does that make sense? And I, I, Paul, is, I just wanna encourage you, like, like you can have fellowship with people. This, this is not, I was talking with a friend the other day, I've seen him in the room right now, we were at lunch, and, and I, said, I said, you know, this should be ministry, not mafia, and, and I think a lot of times, and look, we're, we're all human, so it's easy to click off and, and, and section ourselves off. But ministry is ministry, not, not mafia where we divide. We need the right hand of fellowship. We need to say, okay, Paul goes, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to have a right hand of fellowship with these brothers because the gospel that I'm preaching is the same gospel they're preaching. Now, hear me. If it's some other gospel, I'm not fellowshipping with that. I've, had, I've been in cities before where they're saying, let's just all get together for a prayer meeting. We're going to have every religious background and every, I'm like, no, we're not, I'm not doing that. Well, why can't we do that? Because that's not the God. I'm not partnering in prayer with something that's not the gospel. Does that make sense? I'll go and love and serve and lay my life down and do whatever I can for that, but I'm not gonna partner with someone that's not in the gospel. Does that make sense? 
I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get to the rest of it next week or two weeks from now. Pastor Justin, you gotta sign up for man night, guys. Uh, it's gonna be an amazing night. And then in two weeks, um, I'm gonna be back into Galatians. But next Sunday, Pastor Justin's also gonna be bringing the word. And uh, I, I just want you to hear the heart of Paul here. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna close up with these, these last few thoughts. Um, there's so much scripture here. As Paul defends the gospel, he's basically saying, you cannot be justified by the law. That, that the law is meant to crucify. And, and literally, that's why legalistic Jews chanted, crucify Jesus, because the law wants to crucify. If you find yourself chanting crucify a lot in your life, you're probably living according to law. If you see somebody that's different, if you see an enemy, if you see somebody else and your chant is crucify, you're probably legalistically living. And so what Paul is saying is no flesh can be justified before God. That literally you and I, the word justified, we're forgiven. Justified is bigger than forgiven. Forgiveness comes and then we mess up again. We need forgiveness again. Justified means this, just as if you'd never sinned. That, that literally you are never held guilty before God again, ever. It's too good to be true. And Paul says that the law chants crucified, but grace in Jesus, Jesus came because we didn't measure up. Jesus died because you didn't measure up. Jesus paid the price of the law if he was crucified so that we could have all that Jesus affords. And, and the law can only punish you. Here's the, here's the paradox of Christianity. The law can only punish you if you're still alive. But Paul says you died to the law. So if you're dead, when the law shows up, it can't punish you anymore. Any, any snake haters in here? I hate snakes. I was with a buddy. We were on a four-wheeler side by side, and we're running up on these snakes, and uh, it was dead. And I was like, dude, kill it. He's like, it's already dead. I'm like, dude, smash it. He's like, it's already dead. I'm like, cut its head off. He's like, it's already dead. It's not going to matter. That's the same thing Paul's saying. If you're already dead in Christ, if you died in Christ, if you're already dead to the law because of Christ, the law can't punish you. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to worry if you measure up. Jesus measured up. And then Paul makes this statement. Galatians 2.20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. You have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It's not a declaration of defeat. I'm just crucified with Christ. Just suffering for Jesus. Just crucified with Christ. No, no, no. Literally, it means that when heaven looks at you, it sees you as if you died on that tree. And it, it actually says that you went through all the pain that Jesus did, that you went through all the dues that he paid. That every, come on, if you suffered like that, wouldn't you expect something in return? What he's saying is that you actually died there on that tree, that you actually paid the price in Jesus for all of the law, all its demands. And since you kept all of the law and heaven sees you as keeping all of the law, you're entitled to every bit of the rewards of heaven. Amen. That that Galatians 2.20 is a declaration for you to actually believe God for blessing in your life every day, apart from your behavior, apart from your flesh, apart from how you mess up, apart from you think you're not good enough, that you can actually believe God I believe that you did the work and I get blessing because of you, not me. Come on, I'm so thankful for that gospel. Does that mean we just sin however we want to sin? No. No. If, if you've been set free to live unto yourself, that's bondage. 
You've been set free to live unto God. You've not been set free to, to do what you want. You've been freed from the law to do what he wants. You've been freed from the law to focus on him and the goodness of who he is, not to just be a, a, a master under your own life. You've been set free so he can be your master. You've been set free so you can focus on him. I want to encourage you today, man. You might feel like you're the least likely. I want to pray for you. You might feel like you don't measure up. Come on, you've been crucified in Christ. It's not you that live, but Christ that lives in you. In this life, you live in the flesh. You live by faith in the Son of God. So when all of the enemy and all of the people that say, you know what, you don't measure up, you say, you know, I don't have to measure up. Jesus measured up. And I'm not going to go back into bondage. It's like eating healthy and then trying McDonald's again. Come on, somebody. You thought it tasted good. Some of y'all McDonald's fans are going to hate on me today. I remember I put, ate healthy for like two years, and it's like, man, I'm craving McDonald's fries. Went in there and ate those things. Man, they had like, it like they fried them in the same fish batter, and then they put the French fry, and I'm like, this little weird film in my mouth. I'm like, these, these fries are nasty. Come on, anybody had, a, had their eyes opened up that McDonald's fries are nasty? Come on. Once you've tasted Chick-fil-A's fries, you can't go back. That's the same thing. Once you taste the goodness of freedom and the goodness of God and the goodness of the gospel, you can't go back to sin and living however you want and just tasting that. It leaves heart disease and a terrible taste in your mouth. It's a mess. I'm going to focus on Jesus today, and I'm going to obsess over him today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the free gift of grace. Lord, I, just, I know, Lord, today... Uh, it's a little different, but I just pray that somebody hears my heart today, that, that, they, that somebody that's in bondage because of fear, in bondage trying to, trying to think they don't measure up with you, always thinking, if I just do a little better, if I just do a little more, God will be pleased with me, or if I, I'll just do a little bit extra, God's going to be happy with me. And then they mess up, and then they think, oh, I gotta, you know, God's not happy with me, i got to go back, and God's gotta, i, I got to fix it with God. No, 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 no. God, I pray that they would see today that you did all of your work in Jesus that you finished it forever, Lord, that you measured up, Jesus, that I don't deserve a job, I don't deserve my family, I don't deserve healing, I don't deserve forgiveness, I don't deserve, there's nothing that I can earn, there's nothing in my resume that gives me any standing except you, Jesus. And I pray today for those in here or online that feel least likely, I pray that you would let them know that you choose them, that you pick them for greatness today, and that they have been crucified with you, and they can believe you for greatness. If you're in this room and you say, you know what, Pastor, I feel least likely, pray for me. No one looking around. Would you just put your hand up to me? Pray for me today. I feel like God should made a mistake when he picked me. Be honest. If you feel like, I just don't feel like I measure up sometimes. Thank you for your boldness and honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Come on, we all feel that way at times. Father, you see every heart that feels least likely right now. Would you blow their mind today? Would you, would you let them experience you today, Jesus? Would you whisper to them? Would you shout to them? Would you hopefully use my voice to let them know they're chosen and that they're successful and they're called and that they're worthy and that they're loved and that they're cared for and that they're in a community of people that see grace on their life, oh God. I pray for their families today, God. I pray for anybody that's been making others earn it or making themselves earn it. I pray today we could put down the the treadmill, the hamster wheel of Christianity. We can focus on what you've done today. Maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. You're still running the race. You're still trying to make yourself approved. You're still tired because you're trying to cover up shame, guilt, or sin. You're like, man, I can't get free. You've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you're online and you're watching. The Bible says if you just surrender to Jesus, you get a fresh start with God. He chooses you today. 
Maybe that's you today. No one's looking around just for a second. If you're online or you're in this room, you say, you know what? I need to become a Christian. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to be the leader and the Lord of my life. I need a fresh start in God. Would you put your hand up to me right now? I need a fresh start, Pastor. I need a fresh start today. Thank you for your boldness. I need a fresh start in God. Anybody else? I, I, need, I need to surrender to Jesus today. If you're online, just type into the chat. I need a fresh start with God today. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with you. And you can just pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you did all the work. You fulfilled the law. You died on a tree. And you act like I did it as well. That you put my shame and my sin and my mistakes up on that tree. You crucified your flesh. You died to pay the price of what the law demands. You bring justice and you bring everything that we need, Jesus, on that tree. I pray, oh God, that you would give me your life today. I receive your life. I receive a new heart. I receive what you did on that tree. I thank you that you rose from the dead to give me a brand new heart and a fresh start to serve you. God, I will give you my life and I'll serve you the rest of my days. And I give you all the glory and honor for what you did in Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise this morning. He is worthy of it. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.